16 through 18. These are two short verses. I know we got a lot of visitors here today. When y'all get to that, those, uh, those scriptures, say amen. Let me know you're there. Amen. Here we go. But from everlasting to everlasting, the Lord's love is with those who fear him and his righteousness, with their children's children, with those who keep his covenant and remember to obey his commands. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I praise you again, Father, for just this church, the people of this church, the congregation of this church, the leaders of this church. It is amazing to watch the people that you've put in place here. Uh, There's no doubt, Father, that your hand is all over this church. I invite your presence in this room. I do it every Sunday. I do it every day that I walk through those doors, Father. I invite you in here. And today, Father, I know that I've already felt your presence. Uh, And I just ask that when people leave today, that they take your presence with them. Father, I ask that you cling to each and every person here today. Um, this world is a tough world. It's a tough, it's a tough time that we live in, not only in the world, but in this country, in our community. And uh, Father, we need you now more than ever, and we need you as much as possible. So Father, again, I ask that today that you cling to the hearts of every person in this room and you walk out with them so we can continue to grow your kingdom outside of these four walls, Father, because it's your church, it's not our church. Amen. Father. Right now, Father, you have given me a message that goes along with this marriage series. And uh, this is one that I've studied on for a long time. And um, I want to thank you for giving me the information that I know you want me to give today. So, Father, in this moment, I need you to anoint me from the top of my head to the bottom of my feet. Father, I need you to take all pride, anger, Distraction, doubt, my past. Father, I need you to take all that away from me. And I need you to replace it with you right now, Father. I need your love, your boldness, your truth. And Father, most importantly, I I need you to give me your wisdom right now to give your word to your people. I ask these things in your name, Father. Help us to love, laugh, and forgive. Amen. All right. Okay. A few years back, for those of y'all that don't know, I'm in the jewelry industry, and for a few years back, there was a, a, a older lady and a young girl, her granddaughter, that walked into the jewelry store. Um, they walked in, and, and the grandmother was going to give her granddaughter her wedding ring. Well, this wedding ring was big, it was gaudy, had a lot of diamonds on it and so forth, and the granddaughter didn't want that ring, she wanted to make a new ring with the same stone, so that's what we were doing, but that has nothing to do with what was the point of this. The point of this is this. When the granddaughter looked at the ring, she asked her grandmother, she said, Grandma, she said, why in the world Did y'all want these big, ugly, gaudy rings? Such a big ring. And the grandmother, I'll never forget what she told her. She looked her right in the eye and she said, because back when we got married, 
marriage was a big deal. It's changed. That's a problem. Today we're going to continue our series on warrior marriage. This is something that God's laid on my heart that needs to be preached and needs to be talked about. And to be honest with you, it needs to be talked about a lot. In fact, I feel that one of the main things that ever needs to be spoke from from this stage is the marriage covenant. That is how God builds his kingdom is through us, through the marriage and the marriage covenant. Today, we're going to get to that. I, I, last week, we started the series discussing God's purpose for marriage. But we also discussed the instructions on who he wants us to marry. And again, this week, I want to discuss the covenant of marriage that God has put together. We hear the word covenant a lot when studying the Bible. In fact, this word is mentioned 313 times in the King James Version. Okay? It's mentioned 280 times in the Old Testament and 33 times in the New Testament. Make sure I did my math right. I did it. Okay. But what exactly is a covenant? A lot of people hear that word. The majority of us probably in this room probably know what it is. But I want to pull up the definition of covenant. Where two or more parties come together to make a contract, agreement on promises, stipulations, privileges, and responsibilities. Okay, I want to go to Malachi chapter 2 verses 14. Uh, here just to give you a little background, this is uh, the men of Judah, they're praying, or excuse me, they're asking Malachi why God is not accepting their worship. And this is what Malachi says to them. He says, you ask why? It is because the Lord is the witness between you and the wife of your youth. You have been unfaithful to her, though she is your partner the wife of your marriage covenant, okay? Most people today get married by contract, not covenant. Most people get married by convenience, not covenant. But God says you are to get married by covenant. This is biblical. Biblically, when God wanted to establish something official in which he was involved, he called that a covenant, he made a covenant with Adam and Eve. He made a covenant with Abraham. He made a covenant with Israel. He made a covenant with David. He made a covenant with the church, which is called the New Covenant. And he makes a covenant today with every couple that decides to get married. Now, since I've started this sermon just in the last couple of minutes, I've mentioned the word covenant 15 times. I hope you see I'm trying to get every one of you guys to understand how important this word is to building God's kingdom through marriage. If each of you leave today with one word that describes marriage, it should be covenant. Do we understand covenant? Can I move along? Nod heads. Christian nodding heads. Excellent. <laughs> now, the marriage covenant has three main ingredients. Uh, you stir these ingredients together, and it creates a powerful bond between you, your spouse, and God. I want y'all, as I go through these ingredients, guys, I'm going to... I want y'all to write all these down, okay? We're going to start with the first ingredient, which is submission. Every marriage covenant has to have submission. Now, this 10-letter word is not a bad word. In fact, when understood properly, this word is a beautiful word. It means protection. Uh, it's under a covering, okay? I mean, that's, that's what... Submission is, okay? So many people, the world today has taken this word and they've abused it. They've abused this word. I've preached this before. Again, it's a shame. It's a 
beautiful thing. Submission under God, you're protected under God. Again, each covenant of marriage has to have submission. I want to go back to the very beginning. We're going to go to Genesis chapter 2, verse 7. Y'all do not have to pull out your Bibles. I've literally got everything on the screen unless you want to. I'm not, listen, we're Christians. Pull out your Bible if you want to. Like, don't listen to your pastor when I say that. But I'm going to have it on the screen because I know some of y'all are like me, you're a little lazy, or you're just not as fast as, as, I, as I am trying to get to the pages. So we're going to start chapter 2, verse 7. And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. Okay, so 2-7, man is created. Adam is created. Now, Genesis, let's go to Genesis chapter 2, verse 15. This is where submission comes in for the very first time. The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work to work it and to take care of it. Okay, so right off the bat, this is where submission comes in. God makes man, makes Adam, gives Adam a job. That's his job. The Garden of Eden, work it, take care of it. Man fell in under submission to God, listening to God. God gave him a role. So right off the bat, submission is created. Y'all follow me there? Christians nodding heads. Excellent. Very good. Genesis chapter 2, verses 18 through 20. We're going to read that. Make a note real quick, guys. Something I want to look at here. Then the Lord God said, It is not good for man to be alone. I will make a helper who is just right for him. So the Lord God formed from the ground all the wild animals and all the birds of the sky. He brought them to man to see what he would call them. And the man chose a name for each one. Verse 20, he gave names to all the livestock, all the birds of the sky, and all wild animals. But still there was no helper just right for him. Now, notice the word helper doesn't say housekeeper doesn't say cook okay doesn't say slave it says helper let's remember this word let's go to verses 21 through 22 So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon man, and he slept. Then God took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh at that place, and the Lord God fashioned into a woman the rib which he had taken from the man and brought her to the man. Okay, I love this verse. I need y'all to catch this. God did not allow women, woman, excuse me, Eve, into the picture until Adam had a home, a job, and most importantly, a relationship with God himself. Now that's a godly man. Women take notes, especially you single women. See, God was preparing Adam for Eve. He was equipping him with what he needed to take care of Eve 
the helper. See, this is a big problem today, guys. There are too many sorry men out there that ain't prepared to take on the helper. There's too many sorry men out there that don't have a job, they don't, they don't, they don't have a relationship with God, they don't have a home, they don't have a car. lost my train of thought <laughs> I had something good too Mikey you messed it all up here's here, here's the other problem here's the other problem S some of you women pick these men <laughs> yeah that's right <laughs> like, what are you women thinking seriously and, and, and you get into this marriage and then, and then you, you you're upset because you broke and, and you ain't got nowhere to live and, and you're upset because he won't pray with you. And but you, good gosh, check the, check the boxes before you get married. Amen. Amen. Yeah. <laughs> Ladies, make sure the man is prepared for you before you marry him. Amen. I mean, it's a, God just explained it right there. I need you to notice in verse 22, Eve didn't wake up in a panic because she didn't have a husband. She took God's hand and allowed him to lead her to Adam. That's a godly woman. She didn't go out to the bar, okay? And back then, there was probably one somewhere in the Garden of Eden. <laughs> but he did not, that's not where she went, see? She, she formed a relationship with God, and God led her to Adam. God led the godly woman to the godly man. Y'all follow that? I need y'all to understand something else about this, too. If y'all notice, God created man and stayed with man. Then God created woman, stayed with woman, and then brought her to man. Okay, this is a perfect example of you are married to God first, not your spouse. <coughs> Amen. Yeah, some of y'all clap. Like, why are you clapping at that? That's messed up if your spouse sitting there next to you. Poor guy, he feels terrible. <laughs> but it's the truth. It's the truth. I mean, it's the truth. It is the truth. You know, and, th and that's the thing, guys. I need y'all to really grasp that. Yes, you love your spouse, and your spouse is your partner, your helper, your confidant, right? But there's only one Lord in your life. That's who you listen to. That's who you answer to. That's who you're truly married to. We're going to get into more of that. The main point of the story today of Adam and Eve is they're both in a relationship with God first. They were both submissive to God first. <laughs> okay, I want y'all to notice one other thing. In, in verse 22, do, do y'all notice, okay, if you get down where it says, okay, you get down to the fourth from the, here, I'll just point it out. Okay, y'all see this word, this word fashioned? Some of y'all know where I'm going with this because I preached on it last year. It really makes me mad. Okay, in the beginning, God created man. Do y'all remember how he created man? Put some dirt together. And there's man. That's why we're not very pretty. But he fashioned woman. Fashioned woman, right? Men go home tonight and say, baby, you are fashioned Okay, so the first ingredient in the covenant of marriage is submission. The second ingredient is 
order or chain of command. Y'all write that down. Submission and then order. Our God is a God of order. He has an order for everything that he creates. There is no difference in the marriage covenant. Our God is a God of order. When in that Bible is something not in order for God? There's an order that he always puts in place. It is our job to be submissive and follow the orders. Amen? Colossians chapter 1, verses 16 through 17. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, uh, where there thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. Again, it is an order. Remember in Genesis, God was there in the beginning. Uh, he created man, then he created, he took the rib from the man, he made a woman, and then women produced children. That is the order that God created when it comes to the chain of command in the marriage covenant. God, husband, wife, children. This is backed up also in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 3. The head of every man is Christ, the head of woman is man, and the head of Christ is God. Okay, now, I need you to take notice here, guys. Uh, this verse, Christ himself is under God when it comes to order. Uh, we know that the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are all one. We know that. Uh, they're, they're all equal beings, okay? They're all equal beings, but in God's order, God is the head. Y'all follow me here? It's right there biblically. And the head of Christ, Jesus Christ, is God. Okay? So even Jesus Christ comes into submission. Again, keep in mind, same equal beings in the Trinity, but an order in the Trinity. It's the exact same way, guys, when it comes to the marriage. Husbands and wives, they are equal beings, but in God's order of marriage covenant, the husband is the head. Again, ladies, don't get mad. I'm just reading scripture. Okay? Now, I'm going to break this down. Some of y'all yeah, know. I'm telling you, it's fixing to get there. I, I do want to, let's see here. If you leave his order, you need to understand this, that God puts in place then you have left the umbrella of what God has put in place for the order of the marriage covenant. I have a picture of that. Let's pull up the, some of y'all have seen this before. You've got Christ, you've got husband, you've got wife, and you've got children. Now, I want y'all to look at this. It actually has roles for each one. When you look at the husband, it's to protect the family. It's to lead the family. It's to provide the family, right? For the wife, it's comfort, teach, nurture. For children, love the parents, obey the parents. Now, here's what I need you to understand. If the husband is not protecting you, if he's not leading the family, and if he's not providing for that family, you are no longer in submission to him because he's not in submission to God. It's all got to line up, guys. Now, if your husband is doing the best that he possibly can, if your husband is providing for that family the best that he possibly can, it may not be to the standards of what you want it to be, 
But if he is leading in every way that he possibly can, as strong as he can and as hard as he can, you fall under submission to your husband. Do you wives follow me? Can I see some Christian head nods from the wives? Amen. Very good. Children, I know we got some younger people in here. Children, it's the same thing. If your parents, uh, hang on, I'm getting ahead of myself. Let's move along. Just gonna, I, I, I get excited. Let's move along. Okay. The third and final ingredient in the marriage covenant are rules. This is all three of them. If y'all want to take a picture of these or take notes, all that special stuff, y'all, I'm going to take a drink while y'all do that. Submission, order, and rules. Now, like you, uh, like you just saw in that umbrella picture, Everyone has roles, but each person has a major rule they must follow. If these rules are followed, the marriage covenant will stay strong. The first rule, y'all take note of these, the first rule is for the husband, and that is to love. Sounds easy, right? It ain't. It's hard at times. I mean, it's easy to love my wife. It, it's it's in three little daughters I got sometimes that are hard to love. <laughs> They're not in here, so I can say that right now. But love is the rule for the husband. Ephesians 5.25. For husbands, this means love your wives just as Christ loved the church. How much did Christ love the church? To death. Guys, men, the reason that the word submission has become an evil word is because we're not treating our wives the way that we should that the covenant is made. You see, if we're protecting our wives and we're loving our wives like Christ loves the church, that submission, again, is a, is a beautiful word and it falls into place. But abuse, any abuse is outside of that covenant. And once that occurs, wives, you have every right to fall under submission under God and overtake your husband. Every right. I'm very proud of this church because over the last two years, I've done a lot of counseling, a lot of counseling, a lot of couples very very few that I ever hear the word abuse we have a loving church the reason I point that out is we need to be an example for the rest of this world outside of these four walls abuse is not something that I would ever tolerate I'm going to tell you right now if you ever heard that I abused my wife or my kids somebody lied, somebody's trying to set me up 
my daughters, I said this last week, I pray all the time, every day, that a godly man will marry my three daughters, right? I can be a submissive man to God. But you do know that one of those things under that umbrella is protect the family. Abuse is something I would never tolerate. If I ever was to find out that my daughters were abused in any way, I'm trying to pick the right words in the church. Okay, I got it. I got it. I would take action out of love for my daughters. Men, but here's what I'm trying to point out. I know I shouldn't talk like that. Here's what I'm trying to point out. Let me make the point. I truly believe my daughters will never pick out a man that abuses them. You want me to tell you why? Because I work dang hard to set the right example for my daughters. They're never going to see me belittle my wife, scream at my wife, beat my wife. They're not going to see that. And men, that has to be your thought process. Every way that you talk to your wife, your daughters, if you've got daughters, it doesn't matter if you've got, if you've got any child, boy or girl, they're watching you. And men, if you've got daughters and they're seeing that, they think that's normal. Well, but because they love their daddy. They put their daddy on this pedestal, man. And they think, well, whatever my dad did, that's what I'm going to look for in a man. When I make a mistake and I go own that up to my daughters, I tell them, I made a mistake. Don't, don't marry a man that does that. When my temper gets in the way, don't marry a man that does that. When my patience gets bad, don't marry a man that's that way. I point it out to them. Continue to teach your kids. And for those of you that have boys, please, be hard on them. Make sure they understand to respect women. Guys, the greatest gift that God has given us men is the helper. It's our job to protect that. Amen? Do I need to go any further here? Do y'all understand all this I'm saying here? Christian head nods. That's great. The second rule is for the wife. And that is to respect the husband. That's that, that, what, who sings that song? Aretha Franklin. Yeah. So from now on, ladies, when you're like, I, my husband made me mad, just think of that respect song in your head. Because that's your, that's your job. That's what it says. I'm going to prove it to you. Ephesians 5.33. So again, I say, each man must love his wife as he as loves himself. And the wife must respect her husband now i do want to point something out okay just eight verses later because ephesians 5 25 tells you that you got to love men you have to love your wife as christ loved the church and then it turns right back around eight verses later and it says love again men if you want respect i think what the bible's trying to tell you is that you need to love unconditionally two times in eight verses it tells you that your job is to love and before it gives the wife's job it says for you to love so what I'm trying to get at here, don't you think it's a little important? Usually when the Bible kind of repeats itself, it, it, you might want to pay attention. If you want respect, love your wife unconditionally. Even when she makes you really mad. And for those of y'all here last week, even when she gets mad when you use the Christmas towel. 
like you still still got to love her. Women, <laughs> I have a lot of them say, man, how can, how can I respect my husband? He's not pulling his weight. He's not doing the things that he needs to do. Ladies, it's very seldom I get on y'all, but I'm finna get on you. Sometimes y'all have some very high expectations. Y'all start looking at worldly things that you want, and your husband's not able to give that to you, and all of a sudden you lose respect. That's not how this works. Can I see, amen, guys? Like, what is wrong with y'all? Y'all going to let me stand up here and get beat up all by myself? Like, seriously. Scared, yeah. Our God is not a God of fear, okay? <laughs> First Timothy 5, 8, I didn't pull that up because a lot of y'all know that verse. You have it memorized, but it says that, you know, as a man, we must provide for our family. It says that you provide for your family or you're worse than an unbeliever. It's the only place in the Bible that says you're worse than an unbeliever is when we're not providing for our family, right? There's three ways that you have to supply and support your family. That's financially, socially, and spiritually. Three of them, okay? If your husband, ladies is doing that to the best of his ability, like I was talking about earlier. Now, that doesn't mean you're going to go on five vacations a year. That doesn't mean you're going to drive a Cadillac Escalade. Okay? If you've got a roof over your head and a vehicle to drive and food to eat, you're financially taken care of. Don't put so much pressure on your husbands that they start to spend so much time at work trying to make money to please you because then all of a sudden they're at work more than they're taking care of the home and they've become worse than an unbeliever. Y'all following me? Socially, the husband's job is to raise, help raise the children with you and teach them the ways of the world, okay? How to apply for a job, how to look people in the eye and shake their hands. How to love, how to respect women. That's the social side of it. And then, of course, spiritually is getting them into the church. It's, it's getting them involved. It's, it's getting your children to form a relationship with God. I need y'all to understand something. A lot of parents have this all messed up. That's not the church's job. That's your job. Our job is to teach. Y'all's job is to get your kids to the relationship with God. We can help you after that, and we can help you get them there. But it's all on you. Your number one ministry is your family. Your sanctuary is your home. You're the leader of that home. You raise your kids up in the ways of God. Amen? Says it in Proverbs, okay? Now, again, we're there to help you. That's what the church is there for. But for some reason, I, I, it, it's funny to me, I've literally seen people that will leave the, a church and say, well, you know, my kids were going, and they just weren't getting anything out of it. And, you know, I'm thinking, well, okay, well, when's the last time you sat down with them and taught them something? Pray with your kids. Teach your kids. And most importantly, men, and I say it all the dang time, and I know y'all get sick of it, but pray with your wife. Pray with her constantly. Together in that covenant, pray together. And none of this now I lay me down to sleep junk. Okay? I want to say something else. I'm saying the church. You pray about real stuff. You pray about the troubles that you have. You pray about the situations that you're going through in life. 
and you pray for her and her situations. Then one other thing, you pray over your wife. There's a difference in praying with and praying over. You pray over your wife. Okay? Something that I try to do as much as possible, and this was taught to me just by a mentor of mine because he did it. It's nothing special that I figured out by myself, but I either want to wake up before my wife or I want her to go to sleep first so I can pray over her. I want to pray over her while she's sleeping. Children, same thing. Pray over your children. Pray over your children. Pray over your home. I know I'm getting way out of whack here, but I got to say one more thing. Men, the problem with our country is we don't have fathers leading. That's the problem with our country. It's not red, it's not blue. It's not black and it's not white. We ain't got men leading the household. That's the biggest problem we have. Where are the Christian men at? Where are the Joshuas that refuse to allow something to happen to their household? I'll tell you right now, there's a bunch of them sitting in this room. I promise you that. I see you. I see a lot of you. A lot of Joshuas. Here's your job, Joshuas. Teach the others. Teach the ones that aren't doing it right. How do you do it? Lead by example. That's all you got to do. By example, you ain't got to go start, you ain't got to stand up here and talk to them like I am. You can make a bigger difference leading by example than I ever can standing up here every Sunday of the year. One example can change somebody's entire walk. Lead by example, Joshua's. Amen? Can I get you guys, I challenge y'all to do that. Lost my dang place. Good to put a mark down. Where was I at? Ephesians 5.33. Oh, that's on the other page. Okay, third rule. Okay, okay. Third rule. We're off of wives now. That's all I had for y'all. And I ended up going into men. See, I was going to get on to you ladies, and I ended up getting on to the guys. It never fails. I'm sorry, guys. Third rule is for the parents to discipline their children. Proverbs 23, verse 13 through 14, do not withhold discipline from a child. If you punish them with the rod, they will not die. Punish them with the rod and save them from death. Now, that, that doesn't mean beat your kids. I see some of you men right now pulling your belts off. Don't do that. Just calm down, okay? Now, now you don't beat your kids. You discipline your kids. Me and Bojo were just having this conversation. Don't beat the character out of your children. I got one kid, and y'all know who it is because I talk about it. <laughs> God Almighty, you talking about stubborn, hard-headed, just like Amanda. I mean, just hard. <laughs> and, and the thing is, though, it's a free spirit. I don't want to beat that out of that child. You know what that tells me? That child's going to be a leader. She's not going to be a follower. And I'm going to tell you what all three of my kids are going to be. I promise you. I'm not going to allow them to follow only thing they're going to follow is God. Amen? But I got one kid, man. <laughs> okay, how much you beat her, it ain't going to make a difference. But, and I don't beat my kids, by the way. But my child, again, has major character. Strong character. 
And again, I have no doubt that one day she's going to lead in a major way. And I refuse to take that out of her. You discipline with love, parents. Amen? Pray before you whip your kids or discipline your kids. Some of y'all are looking at me like, you know, nowadays you don't know if you, if you say whip somewhere, somebody's going to call the cops. You know, I mean, it's ridiculous. You know what? Call the cops. I'm going to discipline my child how I feel. The Bible's telling me to discipline my child. Amen? Amen. Thank you very much. Okay, let's move on. So, the verse says you will have to save them, or this will save them from death. It's not talking about just physical death, which it could, but it's also talking about spiritual death. Guys, if you don't discipline your kids, it's basically telling you right here that if you don't discipline them, you, 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 don't, you don't love them. You don't love them. Discipline is teaching, okay? It's the exact same thing. It's, it's equal to each other. Discipline is teaching. Teaching is discipline. We discipline ourselves by waking up in the morning and getting in our word every day. That's discipline. That's what we teach our kids. Discipline. The fourth and final rule is for the children, and that is to honor the parents. How do you honor your parents? By obeying them sometimes. Nope. Notice I said sometimes. Ephesians 6, 1 through 3. Children, obey your parents in the way, or excuse me, in, in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise that uh, it may go well with you and you may live a long life in the land. Children, obey your parents in the Lord. Sometimes us parents get a little prideful. We try to teach your kids something. We're teaching them what we think, not what the Word tells us. Parents, if you teach your kids in the way of the Lord, they need to listen to you all the time. If you don't, I hope they're smart enough to recognize it. I'm just being honest. Again, it's that whole submission thing. If the children are more spiritually mature than the parents, that's a big problem. And I'm seeing it more and more every day. We've got more parents teaching our children hate violence so no children don't don't listen to your parents all the time only listen to your parents when you know they're doing what God is telling them to do again it goes back to when I go sit down with my daughters after I've lost my patience or lost my temper and I tell them that that's not how you do it that's not how you do it only listen to your parents kids when you know they're doing it with love. And that's how you know it's in the ways of the Lord. And don't guess if it's the ways of the Lord. If your parents tell you to do something and you don't know, you better do it and then come talk to somebody at church. We'll let you know if it was the ways of the Lord or not. Because <laughs> then they might really put the fear of God in you. You know what I mean? <laughs> you talking about <laughs> talking about whooping your kids. Oh, she's not here today, so I can talk about this. Uh, my sister Hannah, 
I got, I got two sisters, and I'll never forget one time, we, we were driving from Disney World. We, we drove to Disney World. I was a little kid. I was probably five, something like that, and, and we were driving back, and, and my sister, I love her. She's a lot like Caroline, what I was talking about earlier. Hannah don't know when to shut her mouth. Like she ain't got no clue when to hush, okay? And, and my dad was steaming in the car, and, and Hannah was just, just running that mouth. And I remember, even at five, I looked back at her, and I begged her. I was like, please, hush. Please. And then my older sister, Holly's over there. She's like, Hannah, you need to shut up. I'm telling you, making dad mad. I mean, you could see my dad's neck like blood red, man. Like he was mad. Okay. My dad done had enough. And, and he slammed on the brakes somewhere in between Mississippi and Alabama, I guess. I don't know. Slammed on them brakes, man. He pulled over to the side of the road that median. He got out of that car. And he yanked her out. He was looking around for something to whoop her with. <laughs> he couldn't find nothing. And, and he took one thing that he found, and it was mine. It was a wooden sword that I got from Disney World. <laughs> Y'all remember the, the sword and the stone? Dad went to whooping on her with that thing. And I remember at five, the funniest thing, everybody drive by honking and laughing. <laughs> like, I'll never forget that. Man, don't do that, though. Don't, don't beat your kids like that, you know. That, my dad had a bad temper, but I love him. I miss him. Anyway, so those guys, I want to pull that up. The, uh, p- pull up the picture of the covenant rules. Um, yes, right here. Marriage covenant. Man, why doesn't that fit in that screen? Dustin, did I make it too big? I did, didn't I? Okay, I'll fix it next time. I'm sorry. That's my fault. Marriage covenant rules, y'all take a picture, write these down. Love, respect, discipline, and honor. Okay, so if those four things are in the marriage covenant, you can't go wrong. You cannot go wrong. I want to close today. (laughs) This is one of my favorite stories uh, about the power of God's covenants. And I'm going to say this, and y'all going to be like, well, everybody knows this story. Just hush and listen to me, okay? David and Goliath. I love that story. And y'all are like, yeah, man, I learned it at four. Yeah, I get it. But just, just hang on. In this story, there was major conflict uh, with a giant problem, right? How many of you have giant problems in your marriage today? Don't show, don't, don't raise your hands. But all kidding aside, I mean, abuse, lack of support, lack of being provided for, infidelity. This giant came back day after day after day, intimidating the people of God, right? We all know this. But then came along little David. At this point, David was a teenager. David asked a question, and he asked this question two times. Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that is trying to go up against the, the army of God? Two times he asked that question. Who is this? You know, I love that. I always picture David as kind of cocky, you know. But we call it, what we call it here, Godfidence. And he had it in that moment. 
you're probably wondering, what does this have to do with the marriage covenant? Everything. <laughs> Everyone else, Goliath was nine foot, six inches tall. Everybody else in that army was looking up at this giant problem, right? David was looking about eye level and realized that that giant has not been to the doctor. Circumcision was a covenant that the people of God had. If you weren't circumcised, you were not in the covenant. So see, David... He realized this. He realized that Goliath was not under God's covenant. So he knew he could take him down. If you're in God's covenant, a lot more protection there, guys. It doesn't matter if you're nine feet, six inches tall and bad to the bone. If you're not in God's covenant, a small stone will take you down. Y'all understand? It'll take your family down. Take your home down, take your children down. Be in God's covenant and stay there in his protection. Amen. I get the, well, no, let's write this down. Y'all grab a pen and paper. Go ahead, guys. Your marriage covenant is the gospel you are preaching to your children. Set the example, parents. It's so important that we do that. We've got to get this marriage covenant thing straight. Because here's the thing. If you don't get it right, it's not just affecting you and your spouse and your children. It is affecting generation after generation after generation if you don't get it right right now you're going to affect so many more we don't ever want to pass any type of curse down to our children amen so you do all you can to get that covenant right right now we want to see the country change starts in our household and it all starts in that marriage covenant. I get the worship team and the prayer team to come up. There's so many people today that we talked about earlier where they're getting married under contract and not covenant or convenience and not covenant. People try to walk out of that covenant way too easily. Now, there's reasons that you can walk out of that covenant. I've preached a sermon on that before on biblical divorce. 
there's four things that will allow you to step out of the covenant with God. If you're not, if it's not one of those, you, you got to fight it out. You have to fight that out. People give up way too easy. Too many couples give up way too easy. It's not convenient for them to fight. It's not in their nature to fight. If anybody is struggling with that, the first thing that I always ask, I, I, I just counseled a couple last week, and the first question I asked them, I always ask two questions, two questions to every single couple that's struggling in their marriage. Number one, where are you going to church? And then number two, are you praying together? Now, y'all sitting in this room, you're obviously going to church. So step one, y'all got it taken care of. Step two, pray together. I can't say that enough. I can't tell you how much that changes a marriage. Changes everything because what you're doing in that covenant is you're being vulnerable to God together and there's nothing more beautiful than that for those of y'all that might be watching online that don't have a church home go get it you gotta have it you gotta have other solid couples around you lifting you up and teaching you and setting that example don't deny the fellowship it's so important that you do that. But my heart hurts so bad. The more and more that I look out, and I see people giving up on marriage so fast. Warriors, set the example. For those of y'all that are not married, it's like Bojo said, take notes and take this with you. I hope that y'all that are not married, you younger people, that y'all are starting to see the seriousness of a covenant because the thing is, that's where a legacy begins is in that covenant. If you don't start it right, I'm telling you, you'll screw up so many generations behind you. Do it right from the beginning. And I promise you, there's some couples in this room right now that may not have started it out right in the beginning, but they're doing it right now. And you can talk to them and they'll tell you how hard it was to get it on track. Start it right. Do it right from the beginning and grow God's kingdom the way he intended it. Amen.